Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Ben Sandick here, coming to you live from my home office Sunday night, a few hours after the Washington football team fell to 2-3 and three with a 33-22 loss to the New Orleans Saints. A lot of the things we have seen before this team, particularly on the defense, happened again. Big plays given up. The offense did some good things with Taylor Heineke. He also made some really bad decisions, and ultimately it was a game it just felt like felt like they weren't going to get it done. Ultimately, they didn't. Uh, to discuss that with me, I just chatted with our two, with two friends of the podcast, Matt Paris of the Washington Times and Bobby Bancroft, uh, who was there at the game as well today for the Associated Press. The three of us talked about, you know, what we saw, what's going what, what went wrong this time? What needs to change? We each came up with an idea of if we could give given carte blanche to make any one change we want, what would we do? Uh, so we got into a bunch of that and uh, had some other random conversations in there about Ted Lasso and college basketball. But football, it's football, football, football. That's what we do. That's what we did in this episode. And that's what we do here on this podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes or Spotify or you can go to theathletic.com slash or forward slash standing. You can subscribe there. You can listen to the podcast now on the athletic app. And if you go through and subscribe that way, you get the full athletic boat. You can get it 50% off the subscription rate. That's going to go on for a little bit longer here. So hopefully people will take advantage of that. Otherwise you can just keep listening to this podcast. There'll be some ads here and there, as you know, and uh, we'll, we'll go forward that way, but hopefully people will consider the podcast um beyond that i have a new a story up today after the game uh basically about how you know they, the, the troubles remain the schedule's about to get really tough and you know we'll see if they can crawl their way crawl the way out of it the record's still only two and three that's not a bad record but it's feels like it's closer to zero and five than four and one right so there's a lot to to solve uh and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about all that here in a few moments on the podcast. Um, I, I won't, I won't uh, hold us up really much any further the, than that. Um, so we'll get to that here. Myself, Matt Paris with the Washington Times. Matt is at Matthew underscore Paris, P-A-R-A-S. Bobby is at Bobby Bancroft. So go follow them. Good follows on Twitter. And uh, that's it. Let's get to this. Here's my conversation after the Washington's week five loss to the New Orleans Saints here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. As promised, joining me here on the podcast, we're going for the three-man weave or after Washington's 33-22 loss. Joining me here uh matt paris from the washington times and of course bobby bancroft from parts unknown no uh he's taking it easy but we're, we're getting bobby in podcast form ahead of the georgetown basketball season but both all three of us were at the game today and uh yeah <laughs> I, 
I mean, like, I don't want to just start off and like, here they go again, and it's negative and all these kinds of things. But it is hard for me to completely get, I'm not a sunny side up kind of guy for anybody who's figured that who's met me at this point probably knows that. So I can't really be like, wow, you know, they're close because you know what, don't think they are. So Matt, I'll start with you. Biggest takeaway, I guess, from this game, you can you can spin it positive if you want, but what, what do you got? Well, I mean, we'll just start with the offense. Uh, the obvious, this defense is just a mess right now. And I think this is the first week that I started to think that it wasn't just all on the players. We can talk about Jack Del Rio and <clears throat> what should he have done or, or not or anything like that. But if you were creating a scouting report for the Saints, what would be on it would be contain Alvin Kamara and stop Jameis Winston from throwing the deep ball. And both those things happen. And for players to say after that 49 yard Hail Mary before the end of the half, for them to say that we weren't prepared for that, that's just poor contextual awareness. And, uh, you know, I think that reflects on coaching. Bobby, I know that a focus for you post game was the Hail Mary that the Saints got right before, before halftime. And like that, to the point of the defense, what, what stood out to me about that play, I mean, look, Hail Marys happen occasionally. That's why they do them. But what stood out to me was when it happened, I didn't go, oh, my God, can you believe that? I was like, oh, yeah, they gave up that play too, sure. <laughs> like, like, I was not even surprised that it happened. They gave up the 72-yarder blown coverage in the first quarter, and then we've seen the first four weeks. So the Hail Mary to me was like, oh, yeah, this is a really terrible play, and I'm not surprised at all that it happened, which is to me – sort of where I'm at with this defense, it's really nothing's going to shock me too much at this point. Yeah, so um, just first off, parts unknown. You're right, today I was AP, and I was working on the Hail Mary problem. Look, as someone that played high school safety, I thought the answers were... I really think that you guys are there all the time. I'm not. And obviously, Ron knows his locker room, but I think that would have been a good time for someone to get upset, rather, you know, Rivera is saying, look, that's on me. That's on our staff. You know, you know, we talked to Collins, you know, he basically, you know, and Jackson, they both basically said, we thought they were going to try and just, you know, get like a, you know, try and get in field goal range. Once the play happened, no one jumped. I, I mean, I just, it, you know, it, it football can be kind of simple sometimes. And what we saw on that play was just absolutely, it, it's just sort of, it's, it's ridiculous. And, um, you know, at some point the defense is going to have to do something before the season gets lost. And that might've happened today. Yeah. I, I mean, this goes to the point of what, like kind of what Matt was saying about like, maybe there needs to be more of a focus on the, on the coaching. And obviously that's slightly complicated on, on multiple fronts. I mean, we don't always know what the play calls are unless somebody tells us. Um, and, you know, Jack Del Rio could be calling all the right things and the defense is not, there at all like on the on the 72 yard touchdown pass that Jameis Winston threw in the first quarter uh basically hearing both sides of this post game what uh Jameis Winston saw a, a scenario where the Landon Collins more or less was fairly close to the line of scrimmage they were in Washington was in quarters coverage and his receiver who runs like a four you know sub four four forty he sees he's got he's got a chance with nobody deep to get this guy going and that's obviously what happened. Washington's perspective was uh, the Saints did a quick snap and basically caught them off guard, to which I'm like, you know, the Chargers ran quick snaps a lot in the opener, 
And what do you mean a quick snap? I, I haven't seen the replay yet, but like what I thought I saw was it's not like the Saints were running a hurry up. They went to the line of scrimmage. The Washington was set and they hiked the ball. Maybe they hiked it a beat earlier than expected, but it wasn't like something crazy. So like to hear both those ends, like one side is saying, yeah, we see the mismatch. And the other side saying, basically, we weren't ready to go kind of says a lot about uh, where where things are, are, are at uh, right now. And whether that is about coaching or something is a big question. And I do have to ask at some point with the defense, I don't know. I mean, not benching somebody isn't always the answer, but it's not not necessarily not the answer. And they haven't done that yet, really. Um, right, Matt? I don't think that anybody's actually had any – I mean, you know, maybe there's certain games where somebody's getting 75% of the snaps, the next game they're getting 50. But in general, like, we haven't seen that happen too much. Although, I guess, to that point, Jamie Davis, I don't think, played a lot in the second half. And this is supposed to be a game where he was going to step up more. Um, so, but yeah, it's really going to be interesting. We'll get to the offense in a second, but defensively, at some point, yeah, somebody's got to yell, somebody's got to scream, somebody's got to make a change, something's got to give here because this is not working. Oh, and by the way, up next, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Right. I think the changes start with the, the safeties specifically. We can all mention Landon Collins, and there's the missed tackles, but Bobby McCain hasn't been very good either. He missed that tackle on Alvin Kamara's 23-yard touchdown. Uh, to Everett, when he played last year after Collins' injury, was pretty solid. You have Cam Curl, who I think has actually played pretty well in spots, and maybe he could play ahead of Landon Collins. But it seems like Washington really likes their three safeties looks right now, and so that would require Collins, Curl, and McCain uh, to be on the field. So maybe you just swap out Everett for – McCain that that would be the change that I think I would look to first but it hasn't really been pretty William Jackson has been kind of a mess too and there's just problems really all all over this defense but before we get to Taylor Heineke in the offense would anybody like to offer a positive view of the day we you know like I mean there were some things you could point to since we all we're in the press box. I don't know if you'd like to say you thought I looked nice today with my uh, suit and jacket and tie. You can you can throw that out. You want to say you liked some of the cookies or or you can pick them out of the field. Anything positive, just to have something upbeat here. Well, I mean, they did force some turnovers, right? And Chase Young did something. I think everyone's been waiting for that. Yes. Uh, you know, that would be a positive. Ben, I thought you asked a really good um, question post-game, which I don't like to admit. Yeah, uh, I'm shocked, yeah. The idea that they are playing all these unique type of formations in game five still like, you know, is that, you know, is that indicative of like, they're just, they're just searching for answers because, you know, they are putting a lot of sort of, I wouldn't call them like junk defenses like you would in basketball, but they are doing some unusual formations. So I know you wanted to stay positive. I started with it, but then I, I wanted to go back to that before we got to the offense. But um, well, like we're, we're all basketball heads here. And like, I love a team that comes up with the with the cockamamie one three one defense. The you know the, you you go with the six five rugged guy at center. You're giving up some rim protection, but he does a lot of other scrappy things. You you know you're sort of your Draymondy Green, Montrez Harrell type guy or whatever. We've all you know like that to me is always like you know because in basketball positions matter, but not as much, right? You can kind of get away with that. So what? How do you get your best five guys or whatever to do something, right? 
but that's not this sport and certainly not like you said in week five it's one thing if like you get to the playoff game and you're facing a lamar jackson or 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 some pocket passer and you're like okay to do something different we're gonna bring the safety and put him in the box at all times or we're gonna go six defensive backs like they're they're doing this in already and it's not just this game they've been doing it the, pretty much all season and certainly the last couple of weeks because I think they're just desperate to find 11 guys that can do anything right now, Matt. I, I think like, to me, like that really is alarming. And, and offense has had the offense is sort of getting to that point a little bit. Cause you have a ton of injuries, but, um, but, but yeah, defense in particular, it is kind of wild to see it. Yeah. It was crazy to see Chase Young rush from up the middle as a linebacker yeah. almost on that one play. It was a third down completion, but you know, it is creative. To go back to the positives, I think the interior of the defensive line has played really well. Matt Ioannidis uh, popped today, but Deron Payne had an awesome game in Buffalo. Jonathan Allen has probably been Washington's best overall player on both sides of the ball. So I think that unit is starting to come together. They had two sacks against Winston today. It's really starting to come along. And so I don't think – I'm not as worried about that position group as early as – and I was earlier in the season when things weren't going well. But, uh, yeah, so I think the defensive line is kind of the positive, and we see that with some of the formations, like you mentioned. Um, let's get to the offense. There's a, the, the, the basic rule of this podcast is we're not going to discuss whether Taylor Heineke is the answer long-term or not. We're going to let this play out and see what happens. Um, check the film. <laughs> we, we're we're going to check the film. We're going we're gonna, to – we're going to do that. Uh, but in terms of today, like, it, you know, obviously it's not, it's not, it's kind of impossible to not separate these things because look, going into today, he'd had three starts. He won two of them with two amazing comebacks, regardless of the opponent or anything else that did happen. He's been pretty solid in almost every one of his games. Yeah. The Buffalo game wasn't great, but okay. The bills are arguably the best team in football. We're, we're talking this right now. They're playing the chiefs. So maybe the chiefs win by 30, but whatever the bills are obviously, a very good team. And that was the one game he struggled in. Um, but the saints in the football outsiders, DVOA, DVOA metric, the bills have the number one defense. The saints were number two. And this was the other game where Taylor Heineke looked like a guy where it's like, yeah, I don't really know how I'm going to imagine you're putting your stock in this guy's future. Atlanta basically viewed their, their last week as they blundered by not getting enough, but by, by not taking advantage of the interceptions that he was throwing them. That I think they maybe I think I chalked up like three interceptions. I think that they viewed that they should have got. Um, okay, you can maybe say that. Well, the Saints did not miss those. The I mean, the two interceptions he threw were really uh, just terrible decisions, and he easily could have had some other ones. Like on the very first drive, I think there were like two passes that were you know pretty pretty dicey. He, I, it, the patience is good, but he's got to have a better feel for with his arm and where things are happening on the field, you can't wait forever. You got to start to throw or run or throw it away or check down or something. And some of those throws were bad. And, you know, it does lead to the point of like the only games they won this year was when the offense has scored 30. That is way too much pressure to put on, not just Taylor Heineke. They're currently based on what happened today. Sam Cosby went down with his ankle injury. We'll see what, what his deal is. They're without their starting right guard and right tackle. They're without their starting tight end. Curtis Samuel leaves the game today with this lingering groin issue. So he barely, you know, he's barely played this year. Uh, oh, and let's not forget Ryan Fitzpatrick not playing, right? So 
they are without a bunch of starters. And that's not to be counting Cam Sims and De'Ami Brown. They were going deeper into the receiver this week. So they are getting thinner by the second at receiver. And that's a lot to put on a guy in Heineke who, again, has done a lot of good things. But you know, this is one of those games, Matt, where I'm like, you know, I got to slow the roll. Even if I'm starting to think about the bigger picture, which, again, we don't discuss that here. <laughs> right. We don't discuss the bigger picture. But I think part of this – Part of the story with Taylor Heineke is how did so many teams miss on this guy? What would they not, what were they seeing that made some people hesitant or, or whatever? And the, the scouting report that he gave the other day of him in high school was kind of, he joked that he was slow and short. And I think, you know, obviously he's much better than that quarterback than he used to be, but some of those attributes are, are still there. I, I, the thing that sticks out with Heineke about me, uh, that sticks out about Heineke to me is that with his accuracy, when it is off the mark, it seems like he's taking a long time to get the ball out. And there are are receivers open down the field. There was that one play that comes to mind that it was DeAndre Carter kind of over the top and Adam Humphreys was open underneath. And he just didn't let the ball out in time and missed both of them, really. I mean, he overthrew Carter and it was incomplete. So I guess I would like to see him get the ball out a little faster. That doesn't necessarily mean checkdowns or anything like that. But if he's going to let it rip, like let it rip. And um, yeah, I just think you're seeing kind of the physical limitations with Heineke, especially against uh, these elite defenses like the Bills and the Saints appear to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I just I just thought of this. Where I'm going to audible here at the line of scrimmage. So like I'm thinking like okay, uh, if they obviously need to do something different, especially on defense, but you know, the, whatever it may be, maybe it's just something to get their mindset turned around, whatever it is. So I'm going to ask each of you, if there's, I give you the power, you can fix any one thing you want. You want to bench somebody, fire somebody, use somebody more, use somebody less, run a specific play, whatever it may be. And I just thought about this right now. So my answer is going to be, uh largely crappy and i'm actually going to go with the defense i'll leave that up to you guys if you guys want to go there but like when when this offense started last year with scott turner like the idea of the running backs being these guys who could be you know you could use them in different spots and take advantage of what the defense is showing you um it seemed like a really interesting thing and i guess they've done that to a degree with gibson and mckissick but not to the extent that i kind of thought they would and when you're in this position where they're in now where there is a ton of injuries. I don't know how often I see Gibson and McKissick on the field together. And I know this isn't the biggest deal, but I'm like, if you rank right now, who are their best playmakers after Terry McLaurin? I think those guys are like two and three. And considering they both played receiver in college, it's not like weird to have them both in the lineup, put them, you know, I don't know, put them, put them both in the backfield and then motion one of them out, motion both of them out. Don't motion anybody. I don't know, whatever you want to do. I just think I would get more of those, both of them involved. Um, you know, the idea of, I, I I don't know if they went away from the running game in the second half. Maybe they did a little bit. They were trailing a bit. But, uh, you know, that's a way also to, you know, take some pressure off of Heineke just to have to have these guys. So I, I think that's just something I would do. Maybe it's not my number one thing. And like I said, I'll leave the defense to you guys if you want to go there. But that, that was just something that stood out to me, especially, again, you got so many guys missing. You know, to the point of the gimmicks, this is like a good one. Get your best players on the field in a way that's reasonable. It's not 
five defensive linemen and six defensive backs, two dudes who can play multiple positions. Again, especially without Curtis Samuel, the whole reason you went and got Curtis Samuel was to kind of do what these guys can already do, but they don't they don't do that. So that would be my take. Uh, Ali, whoever one wants to go first, if one thing you could you could do right now, whatever it is to fix this team, what would you do? Well, to just go with yours real quick, the thing I was most wrong about today, and there's a lot of them, I guess, but I thought McKissick would be much more involved. He was basically a, a complete passenger. So I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, as far as changing, to me, I think that there's just a lot of blown. I, I guess I, I would say if I could just touch everyone on the head and be like, I need you to just follow your assignments. Because I have a hard time believing that all of a sudden Del Rio is putting out defenses that they're just guys are just wide open all the time. Like, like looks like I could get open. Right. You know? So, and I don't know how you fix that. If certain guys can't read the game, you're, it's probably not going to get fixed, you know? So I don't know like the personnel that I would change, but just if everyone would just play together, this is kind of kind of like maybe coach speak, but like, it just seems like the secondary particularly, like they're just, they're just always in the wrong. They're just, they're not reading stuff. So I, I think it's less Del Rio and more the players. Like, for instance, I doubt he told the players, don't jump on the Hail Mary. There just seems to be a lot of lack of instincts in the secondary, which is weird to say because these guys are in the NFL, which means they're obviously very good. And to, to that point, uh, Matt and I were talking about this earlier when we were leaving the, the stadium, that like the players said that they were sort of unprepared for the Hail Mary. They were, they were playing up, thinking that the Saints with eight seconds to go might throw underneath to try for a field goal. And then they were like they were unprepared to – I guess, to transition to what it, what, what it became. And I was saying to Matt, like, they've been playing football since high school. Like, once right. you see the guy running straight, <laughs> you know, you got to stay with him. And then when the ball's there, you jump. Like, I don't – it doesn't seem that complicated, but, you know, whatever. Anyway, uh, Matt, uh, what, what, what do you got? No, I'll be boring, and I'll stick with my change that I did earlier. I played DeShazer over Bobby McCain. I think that's the main fix I'd like to see right now. Uh, I did, while well, you guys are talking, I did look up whether they abandoned the running game. And uh, they had 18 carries at halftime and finished with 33. So uh, they stuck with it quite a bit. And that's what stood out about the offense uh, to me today is they were still able to move the ball quite well. They just couldn't really capitalize in the red zone or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I agree. They moved the ball. Uh, l- l- last thing I'll just say, and I mentioned this in my article today was like Heineke said when asked about his own performance. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good except for, you know, the two interceptions. And I felt like that to me sort of encapsulates where this team's at right now. Yeah. If you want to say things are good, we mentioned Chase Young got a sack. Finally, they, they, they actually held the team in check on third down. They actually stopped the team from scoring on their first possession for the first time this year. Like there are things you could sort of point to, but you can't just say except for, two disaster plays that gave the other team the ball. Yeah, the defense is good, except for a Hail Mary that they caught uh, right before the half or a 72-yard play or Alvin Kamara, who's really, really good. But the one guy you kind of know would have to deal with, uh, he goes for over 120 yards combined. And by the way, Alvin Kamara last week, no targets for the first time in his career. This week, eight targets. I was surprised it was only eight. He got five pa- caught five passes. Of course he did. Why? Because Washington can't cover anybody right now. So. That, that just feels like, to me, just broadly, like, where this team's at right now. Yeah, you know, it wasn't bad, except for, you know, the disaster. <laughs> and the disasters are happening way too much. They're the Mrs. Lincoln 
of the NFL. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? A hundred, a hundred, a hundred percent for, for, for sure. Um, guys, I definitely appreciate it. It's been a long day for all of us. Uh, before I let you go, uh, plug away, Matt, you are at Matthew underscore Paris on Twitter. You write for the Washington times, anything you would like to tell the world to be on the lookout for, even if it's just something you're watching on Netflix, whatever you got. Uh, I am like millions of people and watch squid game. And I quite enjoyed that. And Pete Haley and I were talking about how you need to watch that then. So report back when you do. And, uh, that's it. Also, uh, next weekend, if you invite me to this pod, Ben, I can't do it because I have to watch Succession because I'm very much looking forward to that. Is that starting next Sunday? Next Sunday. Yeah. No, I'm going to be, I'm going to be on that as well. We'll have to figure something else out. Um, Bobby, you are at Bobby Bancroft on Twitter. The, uh, the Associated Press, you were doing stuff for them today. Georgetown basketball is coming up soon. Anything you'd like to, uh, to, to mention about your own life? I'd like to mention that for being a big soccer head, I feel like I might be the only person that hasn't seen Ted Lasso yet. Cause I have like a hundred apps. I do not have Apple TV. So you guys brought up squid game. I'm not on that. And I, I got to see Ted Lasso. Yeah. I'm going to, I mean, I'll just be honest. I don't have Apple either. I, what, 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 wait, what isn't, is the season finale coming up soon? The season two finale? It was, it was Friday. Oh, it just happened. It was, I'll be oh. the Ted Lasso correspondent. Very good show. Well, interesting. So the fact that I didn't even know that it just happened, I, I read somebody s- said that the season one was excellent. Season two was not as good as people were acting. That's perhaps why I, I didn't even hear about it. That said, my plan was to do the the trial, binge watch both seasons like within a week and then get out because I, I can't have another app. I can't I just can't deal with uh, with it. But I don't know. Now that it's over, I guess I missed that. Maybe I'm just going to wait. Maybe let me just wait till the season's over. Although I do know Ron Rivera likes it, so it'd be good to like be able to make a reference that you know. Hey, and then you know, real quick, Matt and I, um, you know, he's got the DePaul. I didn't go to Georgetown, but I've been covering them forever. Um, you know, uh, we might have to make some sort of bet who finishes last in the Big East. <laughs> uh, but I, are we betting on our own schools to finish last in this case? Because I can tell you about DePaul, but I'm on the. So far, I'm. I don't know if cautiously optimistic is the word for the Tony Stubblefield era, but uh, you have to be for a new coach. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I'm glad not to see Dave Lado anymore. That's, not, not, not to turn this into some people right now going, what are they talking about? But, uh, you know, screw <laughs> it. Uh, DePaul has put a guy in the NBA more recently than Georgetown. So uh, there is that for, you know, considering uh, we're both these, we're, we're, we're one school has been for years and the other one doesn't want to admit where they're at. That's, that, that's ball, something ball. to know. Hey, the Heat right now have Max Cruz and Omir Yurt seven. Yes. Right. Yeah. Georgetown may get some guys in the NBA this year, but not we're not there yet. Um, all right, guys, definitely appreciate it. And thanks to everybody for listening to the podcast. Of course, uh, make sure you read what I wrote uh, after this game up on the athletic. Uh, if you want to subscribe to this podcast, which you can now listen to on the athletic platform, if you go to the athletic.coms forward slash uh standing you can you can subscribe for 50 percent off go do that and uh keep listening we'll, we'll we'll see what happens big week coming up patrick mahomes and the chiefs more to discuss here on the standing room only podcast but until next time see ya